Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me. I decided that it would be fun for the first episode of 2022. I was going to do a sort of a Al's favorite episodes of 2021. Thought that would be kind of fun. It wasn't my intention to do a top 10 list or anything like that. But as I scrolled through the shows of 2021, I I realized that there's so many really, really interesting guests and really, really interesting episodes. And so I started just kind of grabbing the ones that stood out to me that I really enjoyed either the guest or specifically the topic that they talked about or both, or uh, there's something about the episode that, uh, that really uh, resonated with me. So I thought I'd share those with you. And I really encourage you to go back uh, even to 2020 and 2019 episodes, because there was a lot of really, really great information in there. A lot of really interesting people doing fascinating things in our uh, innovation ecosystem here in Alberta. And you know what? We have a lot of great episodes to come in the new year here. And I'm looking forward to editing and uh, producing those shows, as well as doing some hosting myself. Also, if you want to be a host of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, please reach out to me. This is, as you can tell, probably if you know anything about the show, it's a community podcast. So it's not just me. There's a number of people in the community. Please join us and, uh, and be part of this really cool podcast. Okay, so I'm going to start out with uh, episode 101. This was Adam Ludgate hosting uh, Robert Price, who is the CEO, and Alan Kelly, who is the CRO of Bode Canada. This was a really, really interesting episode. I actually used Bode to sell my mother's condo after she passed away. It was a really great experience for me. So it was really fascinating to learn about sort of where the company Bode came from and uh, what their plans are for the future. Cool. So let's talk about the business. Let's talk about Bode. What is Bode? Uh, what, what, why did you come up with it? What problems does it solve? Let's uh, give, me the, give me the background. Yeah, so the story from from my perspective is going back to this would be 2017. I was selling my home in Kensington and buying my home in Bankview in Calgary and was working with Jeff Jackson, who was a prominent agent at the time. Really, really good guy, really good friend of mine. And going through the process, I was, you know, expecting expecting to have a lot of modern access to your normal kind of online experience and control and convenience, uh, but really did not have that. Had instead, basically, I was doing a lot of the work to find out pricing, to figure out where I wanted to live, to drive negotiation strategy, to come up with all the strategic ideas on the buy side and also guided on the sell side. And Jeff, at the end of it, printed a $50,000 check and we're both saying, this is insane. What I, what we just went through, the amount of work I did, the amount of work that he did, which is basically highly administrative in the end, um, just didn't make sense for a modern, uh, experience. And so of course, Axie got acquired and then 
him and I started working on it a couple months after that deal and built out the first two-sided digital marketplace for home transactions. Next, the episode that stood out to me was 104. And this is Adam Lydgate hosts Scott Grevel from, uh, he's the CEO of Adabotics. I'm absolutely fascinated by this company. And I think the uh, origin story of Adabotics is really, really interesting. And Scott is a great storyteller. So this episode has everything that I like, which is a captivating storyteller, a, a fascinating story, and robots. So, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. But after, after the skateboard business, um, I had created a digitally integrated manufacturing environment here in Calgary. And um, then I started just getting farmed out to companies that were implementing digital manufacturing technologies and wanted some help. So I started consulting the manufacturing industry. And it was in during that that I got the crazy idea for, for Adabotics. And uh, I spent then two years trying to find reasons not to do it because it scared the shit out of me. You know, after having a failed skateboard business, you know, where you're you're trying to sell to, to skate shops, you know, a good order was five grand. And now you're thinking you're going to invent a robotics technology where you're going to sell to Fortune 500 companies and, you know, purchase orders in the millions or tens of millions of dollars. It was a bit of a bit of a leap, but I was never, I don't know, I was never your typical if there is such a thing. And, uh, but I do believe that passionate, smart people can accomplish anything. And uh, I was fortunate to surround myself with a bunch of those people. Now, on episode 105, I had the pleasure of interviewing Tony Anderson, who is one of the founders at Duck Labs here in Calgary. And he also is one of the tech facilitators at Inception U. Now, Tony is probably one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my entire life. And yet he has virtually no ego. He is the most kind and generous and sincere person I've ever met. Uh, he's just an always there to help out whoever needs it. And he's just an all-around great guy. So I really enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoy it too. So please check out my interview with Tony Anderson. But the other thing is it actually makes me a second generation programmer, which is a little bit rare because <laughs> my dad started as a you know, master's degree in computing science. He talks about the computer at the university. And so I grew up, there was hardware in the house all the time. Uh, Commodore 64 and, you know, and Amiga, love those oh, Commodore products. Yeah. Lots of technology uh, around the house uh, to this day. Um, that, that living room, I mean, that household actually still runs today. I mean, I moved out, of course, out of university and stuff. But uh, yeah, dozens of remote controls on that, uh, on that table, for sure. There's been, never been any fear of technology uh, growing up. And uh, growing up for me there, uh, the thing that really marked it for me was the dogs, believe it or not. So uh, my mom bred St. Bernard's. Oh, cool. St. Bernard dogs. So we would have somewhere between, you know, two to three adults. Uh, and those are big dogs. Uh, and then when she would breed them, we would suddenly have like six to eight puppies at a time. And uh, for me growing up, that was an absolute blast. I had this really unique 
place that was like all dripping with technology and huge St. Bernard puppies and drool. Oh, drool everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely everywhere. Next, I had a chance to sit down on episode 107 and interview Zach Novak. Now, Zach is a pillar in the community of Alberta. He was involved in rainforest, but he also created sort of a grassroots informal organization, I guess, called Careers in Tech and Innovation. And through that group, he helps people who want to pivot into technology and uh, where to go. And he sort of rallied the troops and got everybody to help out and provide information and answer questions and give people what they need to figure out how to do it and uh, how to be successful at it. Zach is, is just an amazing guy. Definitely hear what he has to say in this episode. And what happened is, although that was like also a very demanding job, is I got some space and I got some time. I started working from like 90 hours to 50 hours and I just got time to think. And I, I just thought maybe this isn't what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, and maybe I wanted to join a different industry and I learned about the technology industry and I got introduced to the rainforest. And I had a few like formidable experiences in there. Like I watched this documentary called AlphaGo and it like that was like, the combination of people and technology is why I'm really interested in technology. I think it's like an extension of human evolution. And um, yeah, just like this is the direction I have to go. So I got this like sequence of events. I was very fortunate that the Evolve U program was starting their first cohort. And I was like, I got to do this. So I quit my job. I did the Evolve U program. And then I just started thinking, okay, what, what are the career possibilities? Um, and I really wanted to focus on how do we make people work better together? Cause I was part of environments where I thought we could do a lot more around that. And I also wanted to figure out a role that was transferable to me. And I was very good at the bank at kind of like bringing people together. My boss said I was good at making the elephant dance, um, like a big, large organization rallying them together to try and align the stakeholders and get deliver something for our clients. And I thought that was a good role in product. And for the last couple of years, I've been working for a company called Actionable, leading product in uh, organizational behavior change space. And that was, that was like a non-traditional pivot. Like they, I just kind of like was networking and reached out and I started by flying out to Toronto and did a design sprint. I was actually a designer before a product manager. And then over the last few months, uh, I actually started getting really interested in more community. There's this community-led growth phenomenon that I'm following on Twitter, and I think it's amazing, and have decided to pivot again into a, a kind of a community director role for a company called Rev, and we're building out this emerging leader network. Um, and then with that, I also decided to do on the side, trying to get people together to help them pivot into tech. And you're part of this as well, Al, is this just community to, to support people moving from other roles into tech or innovation roles, lo mostly locally right now, but I think it could be broader than that. And that was really just so many people are reaching out to me. And I needed to find a place where I could have more leverage and where people could support each other instead of having like one-on-one -on -one calls with advice. Next in episode 112, Jenny Meiser, 
hosts Karen Schuett. Now, Karen is the CEO of Livestock Water Recycling. And I was just really fascinated by this issue where in cities we have wastewater treatment plants, obviously, but it's actually not the same technology that you would use in a farming industry to deal with wastewater that includes manure from cattle and and other animals. So this is a really interesting episode. I hope you enjoy it. So tell us about Karen. Tell us about your background and, uh, and your journey. (laughs) <laughs> well, manure is my favorite topic to talk about. Myself is, is my least favorite topic. So I'll, I'll do a quick uh, overview. I am a lifelong science nerd, I would say. I, lots of science fairs. I was always interested in the way things worked scientifically. This kind of brought me into exploring the environment and the way science and the environment played together and uh, what aspects of each were impactful on our lives. I started in university, graduated with um, as a zoologist and took that immediately into water treatment. Um, I was originally working in Calgary Doing, looking at biological and mechanical water treatment. We started in oil and gas water treatment and myself and my co-founder worked for a long time looking at hydrocarbon contaminated gas stations, airports, uh, train stations, everywhere across North America where there was hydrocarbon that had leaked underground that needed to be removed and cleaned, we were there. It was a really exciting exploration of water treatment. And I was completely sold uh, that this was going to be what I would devote my career to. Now on episode 128, I had an opportunity to interview Margot Purcell, who is the CEO of Inception U. Now, that was uh, a really fascinating conversation because Margot is one of the most awesome people I've ever met. Uh, she is so intelligent and just down to earth. Uh, she's pivoted her career a couple times and always ends up coming up with great ideas whenever you talk to her. So listen to this one. Uh, she has a lot of great ideas in this episode, too. And I started to see what makes a difference between a company being really successful and the people in it being successful and what led to less success and to people perhaps getting sick, perhaps people having real other challenges um, going to work. And how can we make companies places where people not only love to go, they get great meaning out of it and great value out of it while they're generating value for others. And that's what brought... Greg and Jill and I together was we each had these unique aspects of that kind of work that we were doing. And we saw what we refer to as essential skills, that this is the difference in how a company performs or not, how their employees engage or not. And we we saw that this was what was really, really needed and that we needed to be able to think differently to create the solutions that we need for, for the challenges we face. And we put it all together and came up with Inception U, which our aim was that your future fit. And how do you adapt to what's going on around you? How do you create your internal conditions as a human being so that you can respond to whatever is happening external to you? How can you create the internal conditions in your team, in your company? Because you can influence those that you can then respond meaningfully to what's happening outside 
that over which you have very little to no control. So that's really what was the formation of Inception. You built on 16 years of learning through Open to Possibilities and working with so many people and so many teams. Following the episode with Margot Purcell, when I got to episode 133, I realized that there were a lot of really, really fascinating people that had been taking the Inception U program and graduating as new software developers. And one of those students, Rafael Hernandez Alarcon, used to be a professional chef. Uh, well, I guess he, he is still a professional chef, but uh, he used to actually do it for a living. And he decided to pivot his career into technology. And he is a really, really fascinating fella. What, what was your motivation for doing the posting on LinkedIn every day? There's one phrase that uh, really impacts me every time that I hear it or uh, I see it anywhere. Uh, growth doesn't happen in your comfort zone. So I wasn't uh, very comfortable. And yesterday it was a daily post, actually. Uh, if you count them, there's 124 posts. So <laughs> yes, uh, I, I didn't feel like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But since I started, I have, I think, a little bit of uh, uh, obsessive compulsiveness. So I, I couldn't stop it. I have to tell you that there was, I don't know, maybe 20% of the posts that I, I made them because I have to, because I have already started. So. I try not to put that um, negative uh, uh, thought space in the in the post, but it was like, oh, I don't feel like making my post today, but I need to because I already started and I made the commitment. And yes, as you said, uh, like a lot of the, the images became uh, custom uh, made. Like I, I, I would spend between an hour to two hours to create the the visual concept for the post. There's a funny story there. I think I, I told you, um, I got, a, I got a slap on the wrist for one of the images that I use on one of the, of the posts uh, because somebody felt that I was uh, infringing the rights. So uh -huh. from that day, I start creating the images on these are mine and you, you cannot do anything about it. And actually I invite anybody if, if, if find any of those images helpful, Go crazy and use it in whatever the application you want. I don't I, like they, I made them, but they are for every for everyone. Now, episode 139 was one of Peter Bodway's episodes. Uh, Peter is such a great guy and he is so dedicated to the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast. He is hosted. Well, yeah, he's definitely hosted more episodes than anyone else uh, other than myself. And uh, in this episode, he talks with Tamara. Uh, Loisel, she is the CEO of Synergraze, similar to the episode 112 with Karen Schuett and Livestock Water Recycling. Tamara Loisel has found a way to provide additives to cattle feed that actually prevents them from having the methane gas uh, exits that they normally do. Uh, apparently, methane gas from Lots and lots and lots of cattle uh, can be a burden on the environment. And Synergraze has come up with a great solution. Uh, so check this out. So let me let me ask you about a little bit of the business drivers, because I know that like in markets like California, they've mandated sort of a 40 percent reduction in emissions from livestock. Right. So by I think whatever, 2030, you know, and California has some of the largest dairy herds in, in North America. 
But what's happening in Canada and the rest of the world with regards to sort of methane reduction? What's the, you know, where where are we going? Well, you mentioned California, which is interesting because it is the very first jurisdiction on the planet to mandate methane emission reductions in cattle. Those new legislative requirements kick in beginning in 2024. And there's a lot of cattle producers in California that are really scrambling and desperately searching for solutions because a 40% reduction is is big. And uh, there's not a lot of solutions out there that can offer that. So a lot of them are spending millions on anaerobic digesters to reduce the methane from the manure piles, where our solution is going to be a fraction of the cost and far more effective if you're getting up to a 90%. So in Canada, we don't have any legislation driving reductions, but we do have incentives around, particularly in Alberta, around a carbon credit protocol for the reduction of methane in cattle. So it's a voluntary protocol. So that exists. And other jurisdictions within Canada, other provinces, as well as the federal governments are also closely examining having such similar protocols uh, in their arsenal, which I think will definitely drive and incent methane reductions in cattle production facilities. In episode 142, I had a chance to have a conversation with Robert Herrett. Uh, Robert is the CEO of a company called StyroGo, which started up here in Calgary. And Robert's found a way to recycle styrofoam. Until I met Robert, I had no idea that you could recycle styrofoam. I always was very frustrated because you got these huge, chunky things. They're light as air, but they're just so bulky and cumbersome. And Really, the only thing I thought you could do with them was throw them in the, in the garbage dump. But it's actually very simple through his technology to recycle styrofoam into versatile products like moldings and picture framing and all kinds of other stuff. So this was, this was a really fascinating episode and uh, I hope you learned something too. And so tell us a little bit about, I mean, obviously not in great detail, but just in general, the process that you came up with and what happens after the process, like what's the result of that process? The, the thumbnail sketch of styrofoam itself, you know, obviously there's been attempts at other materials to be used for packaging. There's wax cardboard, there's peanuts, there's more recently, you know, airbags. Uh, certainly there's been a few studies. One of the most uh, conclusive was done by somebody at the University of Victoria where they studied all the different packaging materials and found that styrofoam is by far A, the most cost-effective and B, the least impactful to the environment when you consider upstream and downstream water, energy, raw material input, you know, the whole life cycle of these various products. They found that polystyrene was by far the best. And a further study has been done very recently out of California showing that of all the plastics, polystyrene is one of the easiest to recycle. So it's it fits very nicely with the way that the world is moving to a circular economy. And the resin producers and manufacturers are moving in this direction where they really discovered they were part of the problem why recycling various plastics didn't happen because you could have the most dedicated eco-warrior who goes and buys a rotisserie chicken and the bottom was made of plastic number four and the top was plastic number five. And they would scrub it out to where it's completely sanitary and brand new again, but they're not going to have six different plastic bins for the recycling company to pick up. They put it in the blue bin, and because you got two different plastic codes, it can't be recycled. So they realized we're 
part of the problem here. So, and of course, they haven't done this with any public announcement or fanfare, but certainly if you start looking at those little, the, the three little arrows with the number in the middle, if you start looking at those at the grocery store, you'll see the vast majority are now shifting to plastics four, five, and six. Now, the last episode of 2021 was a brand new host, Lindsay Skabar, who is one of the founders of Bode. Uh, she uh, hosts a lady named Amanda Hare. Uh, Amanda is the CEO of Sunterra Greenhouse. Now, until I heard this episode, I didn't realize that Sunterra, which is one of my favorite places to go for a coffee and buy some groceries, Sunterra Group of Companies is actually a pretty large 50-year-old organization. And they're building a 20-acre greenhouse that will later expand to 70 acres. In Alberta, they're going to be growing strawberries and tomatoes and all kinds of other things all year round. Uh, so that's huge. That is huge. Uh, they won't be having to truck those sorts of fruits, vegetables and things uh, from other countries. And you'll be able to find more wholesome, more flavorful and containing more uh, vitamins and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about Sunterra Greenhouse and what they're doing. And this episode was really, really interesting for me. Tell us a little bit about how this project started. And Sunterra has been one of those companies that have been local before local was cool. So I'm really excited to hear about how local some of the produce uh, is actually going to be reaching us and when we get to experience it. Yeah, that's true. They were they were into local before it was on Vogue. That's absolutely true. So the Sunterra group of companies um, spans, there's a 50 year history starting in, you know, agriculture, pork production, processing. And then I believe it was about 30 years ago that the market started. So we, we have a great opportunity here um, to get immediate feedback from customers. And, you know, quality is one of the value pillars for Sunterra. So it's really exciting that, you know, they can be involved all the way through the value chain and have that immediate feedback from customers. So there's 11 Sunterra market locations across Alberta, with five being a grocery store model. So I think it was very natural for the prices to start exploring the idea of getting involved in growing produce. Um, Namely, because in Alberta, we do import 90% of our produce during the winter months. I think a lot of consumers maybe don't, I was surprised by that, by that statistic. So 90% of what you see on grocery store shelves between the months of, you know, October and April, you're getting from, you know, many, many thousands of miles away by plane, by boat, by truck in many cases. And so not only are we getting a less superior product because these are varietals that are bred for distance. They're not bred for nutritional quality or value or flavor. They're bred for distance. And so, um, but also we're paying more. So we're paying at least 40 cents per pound for the cost of transport that produce from either Ontario, BC, or way further south as far as Mexico or overseas. I mean, I just... I think I bought a mango from Sri Lanka yesterday. All right. Well, that's uh, some of my favorite episodes of 2021. And I really appreciate you checking out this episode. And I look forward to a whole bunch more episodes in uh, 2022. So tune in next week for the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. Ciao. If you haven't already, 
visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by New Idea Machine. You need applications created and new developers need experience programming. Visit newideamachine.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.